In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Shy, what's important? You are a carefree walrus. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Smoochy, moist lover. And don't be ageist. Anything goes with Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Boy, Jeff, I didn't realize we'd actually get to camp out here. This is kind of cool. I didn't realize they'd have, like, a, you know, an overnight Bigfoot journey through the jungle. This is kind of cool, actually. We're finally getting to do something here at Paratopia, you know? I guess. I don't like camping that much, really. In fact, well, it, it wouldn't be half as bad if I didn't have a cold and, uh, because we were in that goddamn Kool-Aid for so long because you didn't want to take the damn door. Well, no, I I took the door. It was the hatch I didn't want to take. Whatever. Never mind, never mind. I mean, it's not, it's, continuity's not important. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. What am I doing here? I don't know. You know, that's a good question. Why did we come to Paratopia? Well, I remember why I came to Paratopia, come to think of it. Uh, I had this awful job. I was, um, well, you know, I used to work in TV and film and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I had this job. I was um, I was the light designer um, for Terminator 4. Ah. Yeah. I don't know if I, I probably didn't tell you this because it was just, it was hard, but I got into this huge fight with Christian Bale. Yeah. I remember that. Well, how, wait, how, how, how do you re- remember that when you weren't, weren't there? I wasn't? Then how is this my flashback? No, no, wait, it should be mine! Kick your fucking ass! Oh, you know, there's no need for... Oh, you the fucking set, you prick! Look, I said I'm sorry, okay? I don't no, know how No, don't just t- be sorry. Think for one fucking second. I'm thinking. The, the fuck are you doing? I was just, it's my life. Are you professional or not? Yes. Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. On, Do Bruce. I want? No. No. Talk some sense shut to this me up. guy. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down uh, in no. the middle of a scene? No. Then why the fuck are you walking right through? I like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? I was in the dark. I didn't know that you could even see. What don't you fucking understand? I don't understand why you're yelling at me about this. For one, I mean, Jesus. You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene. Yeah. Give me a fucking answer. I'm trying, but you're not listening to me, okay? What don't you get about it? I don't get why you're yelling at me about this when, uh, you know, I banged your girlfriend in the trailer. Oh, good for you. And how was it? It was good, okay? I hope it was fucking good because it's useless now, isn't it? Well, she's not an it. I mean, let's not objectify her and be sexist about it. Fuck's sake, man, you're amateur. 
Well, but I'm not a douche like you. I mean, look at what you're doing. You're yelling at me about nothing. Look, gee, you got fucking something to say to this prick? Oh, don't go to the director. Come on, Well, dude. somebody should be fucking watching and keeping an eye on him. <sighs> this is the second time that he doesn't give a fuck about what is going on in front of the camera. I don't know what the first... What are you talking about right? the second time? I'm trying to fucking do a scene here, and I'm going... Why the fuck is Shane walking in there? My name's not Shane. What is he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? It's not even in the conversation. You're yelling at me and you're calling me Shane and you're and you're, you're treating me like I'm Get not even the here. fucking set, man. What? For fuck's sake. What do you mean for fuck's sake? Right, let's go again. Now, let's just take a minute, okay? I don't know that I can let's go Let's not take a fucking minute. Let's go again. Ugh. And let's not have you fucking walking in. Well, you can repeat yourself all you want. It's not going to make you right. Can I have Tom put this on, please? Are you just going to ignore me again? You're what? unbelievable, man. No, you're unbelievable. You're unfucking believable. Number of times you're strolling and fucking around in the background. This is very unBatman, dude. I've never had a DP behave like this. Well, I, like I've had an actor behave like this. Come on. Ah, uh, you don't fucking understand what it's like working with actors. That's what that is. No, it's that's like... what that is, man. I'm telling you. I'm not going to yell over you. I'm not asking. Okay. I'm telling you. I'm not asking or telling you. You wouldn't I'm have done saying. that otherwise. What? You, you're treating this like it's Shakespeare. It's fucking Terminator 4, dude. It's robots. I'm gonna fucking kick your fucking don't, ass. Don't you touch you know, me. Shut get, up get away for from a me. second, all right? Hey, Bruce. I'm gonna go. Do you want me Bruce, to go get... fucking trash your lights? No, I don't want you to trash my... Do you want me to fucking trash them? Oh then why God. are you trashing my scene? I'm not trashing your you scene. You are trashing no, my I'm scene. Not. You do it one more fucking time, and I ain't walking on this set if you're still hired. Dude, I'm union. I'm fucking serious. I don't... You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy, but I don't fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around like this on set. Bruce, will you tell him that I get it? Will you tell him that we get it? We all get yeah, it? Yeah, you might get it. He doesn't get fucking it. get it. This is the longest bitch get slap it. in the world. He does not get it. How many times do I have to say, I get it, I get it, I get it? I get it! You want to just take a walk and cool down or something? No, I don't need any fucking walking. He needs to stop walking. Oh, stop talking about me, walking. dude. I'm right here. I'm right here. Let's get Tom and put this back on. Let's go again. Yeah, all right. Let's go again. Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. Oh, like, what, we're hanging out personally? Come on, American Psycho. I don't think so. Jesus. You beat your mother with that tongue? Fucking ass. You're a fucking ass with a side of hole. Fuck this. I'm going to Paratopia. <laughs> oh, it was awful, Jeff. It was just... Easy. Easy. You gotta put out the campfire with that. Oh. Jeff, I think I just spit out my will to live. Oh. Well, you don't need it anyway. True. So why did you come to Paratopia? Well, I think it was pretty much just to ruin my reputation by coming with you. Well, how'd that go? <laughs> Pretty well, actually. Shh. Do you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like... Sounds like somebody walking. It sounds like a... Like an owl or a growl or something. It's... Jeff. Oh, ow. I think it's... Shh, 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 shh. Jeff, hear me. Ah! Reagan Lee, don't, don't sneak up on us like that. You just scared off Bigfoot. We just saw the Sasquatch, and then you came, and then he was gone. Did he dematerialize? 
And how do you know it was a he? Well, wait, wait a, a minute. Hold on. A, hold the, first of all, you look hot in that bikini, girl. Let me tell you that. <laughs> how you doing? I doubt that very <laughs> Jeff, much. But Jeff, thank put you. your Kool-Aid away. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so how is the, the book going? You're writing a, a book on this here, Bigfoot, are you not? Or have you written it? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> About two strange paranormal Bigfoot cases here in Oregon. Paranormal Bigfoot cases. So mm-hmm. you do you believe that it is uh, paranormal, or do you think that it is an animal creature of the woods? I think it's both. You think it's both. Now, you, you had um, actually showed me some articles um, about paranormal Bigfoot, and, and one of them, uh, you know, maybe you can flush this out and tell us about them better than I'm going to describe, but one of them was um, uh, a dude in telepathic communication with Bigfoot, and, and he says, I don't want to be called Bigfoot, I want to be called Sasquatch. Right. Now, are those the kind of quality cases that we depend on when we say <laughs> this is a paranormal <laughs> event? Well, what what I find interesting are the stories themselves. And the, these kinds of stories, there are a whole lot of them, and that in itself is fascinating to me. So what that means beyond that is, is kind of a whole other thing. But back to what you were just asking about, the man's name was Stan Johnson. He passed away a few years ago. It turns out he lived in Sutherland, Oregon, which is you know, roughly 50 miles from Eugene. <clears throat> and years and years ago, I believe it was around somewhere in the 1950s, a UFO, according to the story, landed on his property and left behind traces and kind of crop circle kind of rings. And, and he, so we'll kind of go forward a little bit. I'm not sure how how long it was after that, but he was walking his property and he heard voices down kind of in a ditch and he went down there and he saw a fam a family of Bigfoot and uh, began communicating with them, including telepathically. And one of the things they told him was they don't like being called Bigfoot, they prefer Sasquatch and they're the star people. And he was taken aboard their ship and told many things. Now, while I believe, this is just my personal belief, while I believe there are paranormal elements to Bigfoot, I his experience is kind of transcends even that. There's a whole other thing going on there. But it's, it's an interesting story, and he was a very religious man, a, a Christian, and he kind of framed this entire experience of his into that kind of Christ, sort of a New Age Christian, um, you know, perspective. Did you talk to him? I never, I did meet him once, but this was before I really had the interest in Bigfoot that I have now. And it was at a very small kind of UFO conference here in Eugene many years ago. And he came, he was one of the speakers. And he had, he was, I don't know how old he was at at the time. He he must have been easily in his uh, 70s. And he was uh, very, uh, he had a lot of energy, a lot of charisma. 
And later I went up to shake his hand, and I swear, the guy almost broke my arm. I mean, he had great strength, and uh, he was very uh, vivacious kind of person. A lot of interesting energy. But as I said, he was very religious, very uh, Christian, and he his message was one of love, brotherhood, that kind of thing. Well, did you get the, the sense that he was telling the truth or delusional? I think, or no, I think as far as, and this is the thing, like, as with the contactees and and people with these kinds of experiences, whatever was that really happened, something profound and different and life-changing happened. And so individuals, we interpret those in so many different ways. So I don't think he was uh, lying or deluded at all. I think as far as he uh, was able or knew was telling his truth. I don't take, it's easy for me to say since I was never there, but I don't think it happened in the literal sense the way he says it, but I believe him that something certainly happened. Sasquatch is the new Moses. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. And, you know, I since met uh, or have corresponded with a couple up in eastern Washington, and they somehow kind of took on this legacy, and a lot of people go up there and visit them, and they have a lot of interesting things happen and uh, with, seeing Bigfoot up there, uh, having dreams uh, kind of that are sort of in the astral realm, a lot of UFO sightings. You know, there's a lot of high strangeness that seems to follow this event. And uh, uh, so I I find that very interesting. And uh, I don't know what to make of it really, but I don't think it's, I don't think we should ignore things like this because as crazy as they are in a way, you know, crazy sounding, something's going on there and something that is worth exploring, I think. It's fun and it's worth it. Sure, and you said that it was both at the same time, both, uh, you believe, paranormal and a creature of the forest. Right. Uh, Explain that a little bit. Right. What would the other half of that be? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that, Jeremy. What would the other half that be? How would it be a creature? Of the, you think it's a paranormal creature of the forest, sort of a giant hairy fairy? <laughs> well, you know, that's not impossible. And and there are other people like Lisa Shield and, and other uh, people who have really had experiences and researched this who think the same thing. So I think it's quite possible. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what it is that makes them th- or makes you think that because... I'm trying to figure out, is this the same sort of problem that we have with abductions where people who talk about, um, you know, aliens probed me and implanted mm-hmm. me with a fetus and all that, those people get taken seriously because it's a, such a straightforward narrative, aliens we can understand. But the people with the high strangeness stuff, well, mm-hmm. we, we've got to ignore that because we don't understand what, what that could be. That doesn't sound like aliens, and clearly this is aliens. Is that the same thing with Bigfoot where it's like we only want to believe that it's a an animal in a forest because... That's something that's easy to, to take in, but this magical, mythical creature portion of it is yeah. just too outlandish to, to think about. I mean, is it the same problem, you think? I, I think, yeah, I think in some ways it is. 
Um, you know, I often talk about online. Uh, when I first came across a story about Bigfoot and UFOs together and communicating telepathically and all this stuff, I thought, what the hell is this? And I almost threw the article away. And it it kind of ticked me off even because, like, how dare this person write this nonsense, you know, kind of thing. But I saved it. And then, as it happens so often with these things, you know, synchronicities, all of a sudden I was coming across stories like that almost every week, you know, of these kind of <clears throat> UFO, Bigfoot uh, events tied in together. And so that got my interest, because <laughs> I'm weird that way, and I just started finding out more and more and more. And then I came across two stories right here in Oregon, uh, one to the south of me, roughly 50 miles away, and one to the north of me, roughly 50 miles away. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They're coming for you. Yeah, they're coming for me. <laughs> and it's interesting, because I'm not a, a field researcher. I mean, I've never gone out there looking for Bigfoot on purpose, you know. <laughs> And, uh, so I don't know what and I've never seen one. So I, I don't know where this interest comes from, but it's, I, it's there. Well, do you see a difference in quality of testimony between any of these types of things? Quality. Um, well, well, in terms of like the Bigfoot, uh, do you see a, di- a difference in quality of, of, uh, witness, let's say, between the, the people who just see a paranormal thing and, and the people who just see a forest creature? Um, well, I don't know about the word quality. Uh, you know, it's it's like your example of the abductions. You know, you listen to somebody, and I, I know plenty of people who have who have stories that have seen a Bigfoot, and nothing uh, of a high strangest nature happened with that. They just saw Bigfoot, and it's a very straightforward account. Uh, you know, I saw Bigfoot, and it was a big hairy creature. You know, but nothing. Other than that happened, no UFOs, no telepathic communication, not, you know. So, and these are people that I know and believe and have, you know, one was a psychologist and one was, you know. So, there's that. And I think that's a lot easier to accept. The one time I met Stan Johnson, he was very uh, entertaining (laughs) and flamboyant and to me, believable in the sense of he believed what he was saying. And I know there are a lot of people who, who know him who have been involved in this, and they have that belief. So <clears throat> I think kind of the average person would think, who is this guy? Um, like I say, he's deceased now. But um, So that's a hard, a hard one to answer. The story in itself is so fantastic, it's either you kind of are willing to go there and explore it, or you just walk away from it because it's too crazy. Well, I think there's another option, which is uh-huh. that it could be um, <clears throat> the two verses thing, you know, one versus the other could be, well, is this somebody who saw Bigfoot um, and uh, it had the, let, let's call it, or I'll call it, I'll own this, okay? I won't drag you down with me. Let's call it the <laughs> Lin Katai effect, where... Uh, he really did see this thing, uh-huh. but then it became all about him. It was like, oh my God, I'm seeing this 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 Bigfoot, and now it's all about me. Now it's all about mm-hmm. it's talking to me, and it just mm-hmm. so happens to be 
speaking my Christian language of love and brotherhood and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Uh, that, that's yeah. that's one thing versus um, it's a, a high strangeness event the way like Greg Bishop and Nick Redfern seem to think right. that like anything else by this trickster intelligence, yeah. uh, whatever you're willing to believe about it um, is what it actually presents to you. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, <laughs> I think it's all those things. <laughs> I really do. You know, the, the thing that I keep going back to with things like this is if we're just an isolated event. We could we could say some things about it, but many others have experienced this kind of thing. And in fact, I was uh, this was many years ago. Was standing inside. We have a uh, kind of a new agey bookstore here in Eugene, and the woman at the time that owned it was uh, Maura Timms. I don't know if you know who that is. She's written a couple of books on kind of like the end times and that kind of thing. And uh, we were standing in her store one day, and somehow we were talking about Stan Johnson. Uh, it got onto that, and all of a sudden, I just felt really strange. I literally saw this cone of light come down through the ceiling, plop itself over us. I could barely see her or hear her. It was really weird. As soon as we stopped talking about Stan and Bigfoot and his experiences, the thing would just lifted itself up. And I didn't say a word because I thought, she's going to think I'm insane. <laughs> you know, this was, maybe I was just having like a migraine or something. And she just looked at me and said, oh, you felt that too. Hmm. <laughs> and I said, felt what? She said, that cone of light that came down. I said, Yeah. So we talked about She said, you know, that stuff happens all the time when we talk about him. Huh. So there's that. Jeff? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Well, that, of course, plays right into what I've been saying for a while, which is that uh, the more you talk about something, the more things seem to manifest. And and I've had pretty similar things, Reagan, as as that. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when talking about the experience or phenomena or whatever you want to call it. I've you know, recently had somebody over my house where we had flashes literally right in front of us while talking about this. And, it, and I'll, I'll be willing to bet you that it wasn't just um, the conversation that you were having. wasn't your run-of-the-mill conversation about that case. I'm willing to bet that it was going into probably some pretty deep thoughts at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to to get something like that, which is usually where it goes. But do you think, uh, I mean, seeing that, that part of it and seeing the paranormal angle to it, I can see where that would hold uh, an interest. But uh, do you think that, much like some people postulate that part of the UFO thing is actually extraterrestrial from someplace else, albeit a rare event, uh, and then this separate, separate uh, uh, quantum weirdness. Uh, do you think there's something like that with Bigfoot, where there is a legitimate flesh and blood creature out there that's surviving on its own that hasn't been found because it doesn't want to be found? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that, that we've have this again, this this high strangeness, bizarreness about it that manifests here and there, just based on our interest of it. Right. I, I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's just my opinion. I think, I think it could be more than one thing. It could be both things. It could be mm-hmm. two or three things. 
And I know that kind of answer frustrates a lot of people because it sounds like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> well, we don't. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't. Uh, you know, yeah. But I've, I had, I think going out there and looking for Bigfoot is, is a really fine thing. And that's great. And who knows? I mean, who knows? Certainly strange things happen to some people in regards to that. And that you mentioned UFOs. When I say UFO, I know we've, we've all, most of us have become kind of used to thinking of UFO as from outer space. Doesn't necessarily mean that. No. Um, I think sometimes we need to remember that it's, it's truly unknown and strange and different, but really where they come from is still open. And oh, some of them, like you said yourself, very well could be E.T., sure, and I kind of like that one myself. But that doesn't mean they all do. Right. Yeah, and so right. we, you know, there's that, like you said, the trickster element, this other kind of high strangeness energy that's out there that's kind of waiting for us. Right. And when, for whatever reason, interacts with us, or we with it, we with it, and things happen. Well, the woman that, that said... Um this happens a lot when we talk about him or about this stuff. Yeah. Is she, has she, does she experience high strangeness things a lot? I would imagine so. I don't, I, I didn't know her very well at all. Um, I just, uh, you know, Casey would talk to her when I'd go in there. I mean, is she um, so nonchalant about that? Because. Yeah. Well, she, you know, you gotta remember she owned a new age bookstore. I mean. All right. So, so let's, let's say <laughs> she experiences weird stuff. Uh huh. And. You've been known to experience some weird stuff. Nah. <laughs> I mean, if the two of you get together and have any deep discussion about anything, do you think something will manifest out of that and it has more to do with you than than Bigfoot or whatever the subject might be? Sure. I, I've had the same experience that Jeff was just talking about uh, three separate times. I've written about this online where we are discussing... And when we're discussing pretty seriously, we're not just goofing around. You know, a lot of times you just talk about UFOs or whatever, but where it's a pretty deep discussion um, about these things, and all of a sudden I have this intense awareness that they, whoever they are, were in the room with us listening. <laughs> and every time I have that happen, I never, I did not say a word. And eventually somebody else would look at me and, and say, do you feel that? Or are you aware that they're here? Or, you know, That's pretty something much how Jeff and I lines. met. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. At the X conference. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, and I've had, you know, other things happen like that too. So, and I would agree that the more you actively explore this and seek it out and, uh, it, it comes to you. So what are we saying here then? I mean, cause, because what, what this sounds like is eerily similar to um, the giving over to something, you know, giving over to Jesus, giving over to a religion, uh, and then, you know, whatever it is that you give up your deep concentration and thought to, um, so you, you sort of have this uh, religious epiphany about it or this experience of it, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, do you think we're triggering the same mechanism just through having deep conversations? 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm understanding you right uh, because my first reaction to that is I don't give myself over to anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. Know, well, okay. Well, even, I probably do. Well, that's even honest. better that you say yeah. that because then for uh-huh. you, this would be the act of doing that. If you don't have a religion or anything like that, right. and, and you uh, and this is your deep conversation, then uh-huh. this is your deep concentration, and then it sort of manifests as a result of that. In the same right. way that a Christian who deeply believes that they, you know, really wants to be born again, will have that salvation, you know, exactly. experience. It's just, it's just. Is it the same mechanism? Um. Yeah. It, I mean, I think in part, yes. Hmm. I mean, I, I look at it, and this is this is the way I've come to kind of get my head around it, is that uh-huh. we're not only talking about deep conversation, we're talking about, and I had somebody ask this on the board, you know, what do you mean when you say the more attention you pay or the more that you focus your thoughts on it? You're not only talking with another person about the subject. And, yeah, it can get to be a deep subject, I think the questions that you're asking are key, and those questions usually are the ones where you're talking to someone and you get a feel for them that you know deep down inside they're asking the same deep, personal, only you know questions that you have. So therefore, you come out with those deep, personal questions that you wouldn't normally speak about in public with someone that you just met, but you feel this... uh, uh, you can just tell by the, the tone of the conversation that this person's really on kind of the same wavelength as you are about what they're talking about and what they're seeing and experiencing. And when you start to then convey your own deep, meaningful, personal questions to them, that seems to be when the the air gets thinner and uh, uh, there's this feeling of proximity in the room, like you were saying, that you know you, you feel like this presence is in the room with you, mm-hmm. uh, listening, uh, and that's that's always been a kind of a staple for me is like this feeling of of proximity, like you know when that's there, and uh, and that that kind of conversation, me and Jeremy can generate that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty easy to do, um, but that seems to be when these little pinpoint phenomena seem to happen here and there. Uh, so maybe it's not a question of just becoming entrenched in a deep conversation, but actually asking those ridiculously deep personal or revealing those deep personal questions to someone else to get their input on it. Mm-hmm. One, I, yeah. Uh, one of the times it happened was, now my husband and I, I call him George, <laughs> but we all know his name is Jim now because he's an artist and I'm, plugging him all over the internet but we're very close we've we've talked about this stuff all the time he's had his own experiences we've had our own weird childhood kind of experiences and yet there was something during a ufo event where we were both at that he didn't share with me at first for a few years and then we're sitting around talking about this and you just very sort of casually drop the fact that, oh, oh no, we were coming back from such a, you know, this whole added dimension to the experience that I had completely blocked out. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, where did this come from? And it was then that we felt that presence. Mm-hmm. 
so that's one example of that. Yeah. You know, where it it just we we're going deeper and deeper and <laughs> yeah. more into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're someone who has had uh, these what we would call maybe high strangeness experiences. Um, and you know, I had you on my culture context show right. maybe a year ago, maybe longer. Uh-huh. About really. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, year and, or so. Yeah, and I and I tried like heck to get you to say you were an abductee, but, but you wouldn't do it. You, 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 you held, you stuck to your guns. Um, have you had any thoughts about that since then? Sure, uh, but I'm still not going to say I'm an abductee. <laughs> <laughs> but you do admit that you have high strangest experiences. Oh, absolutely. Much oh, yeah. like people who call this themselves is why abductees. I have Four thousand blocks. You know, <laughs> right. I'm trying. To, it's my way of trying to work it out. As as I just started a new one a while ago, ago called uh, Saucer Sightings, which is just for to archive my experiences because so many people ask me, and I found I was repeating myself and rewriting it, and you know, so now it's just all there, and I could just point people to to it, and you know, sort of a just strictly no commentary, no just the experience. Where where can they find that? It's just called Saucer Sightings. Dot com? Or, yeah, it's on blog, blog spot, so. Well, blog what's the actual, plug it's yourself saucer, here, woman. Yeah, uh, saucersightings.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, so, yeah. uh, okay, so where are you with this now in your life? I mean, do, what have you worked out? Um, well, you, <laughs> not very much. <laughs> not a club. whole lot. <laughs> uh, as far as, the whole UFO abduction thing, I I just can't go there. It's not, I mean, who, who knows, of course. But I don't think that is what's happening. I don't know what's happening, and something is surely happening, and I don't think it's all just, you know, some kind of strange sleep disorder or something. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Uh, because I've had these experiences since childhood, and there are many theories about that. You know, some some kind of earthbound experience entities. Uh, who who knows? It's both us and it out there doing this sort of symbiotic dance together. Uh, the subconscious trying to reach the higher self. I don't know. Well, do you have one uh, one experience that you can tell us that just so people are you know know what we're even talking about that that sort of stands out to you as sort of a really significant one in your life? Well, this sounds like a classic abduction kind of thing that many people report similar things. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, but 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 Go on. <laughs> I'm not going there. No. <laughs> When I was a child, I would, this happened almost n- nightly. I would have to go through this whole ritual. I would, I was so excited to go to bed. I couldn't wait to get to bed because that's when my friends came. And I, I'd have to be perfectly flat on my back in the bed. And I'd have to focus on the little kind of yellow beam or, of light under the door and just wait for them to come in. And they came in through the door, and they lifted me up, and I'd go out and I'd float through the bedroom door and float through the hall and float out the living room door up into the 
we had this big, 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 big tree, fir tree on the corner. And they float me up into the tree. And I remember looking up at the stars and the sky, and it's just so wonderful. And then I'd float up into their ship. And I remember telling my mother this once about how to have to focus on the light on the, under the door. And she, would, she said to me, what light under the door? I said, you know, from the hall, the light. Under, she said, we never, ever have that light on, ever. Hmm. And I said, well, Mom, I would see it. I was looking at it. And she said, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but it wasn't that. So that's interesting. <laughs> when you're lying on your back um, mm-hmm. before this happens, do you have any sort of feeling? What is your bodily it presence? Was, it was wonderful anticipation. Just just like, oh, I can't wait for them to get here. Huh, because I know when, Jeff, when you lie on your back, <laughs> yeah, something else happens, right? Yeah, I stop breathing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> huh. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think... I find it interesting that you had to stare and focus on that that light underneath the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how much you've heard about mine, but I I used to get in bed and and essentially uh, being the rebellious jerk that I was and still am, I wouldn't go to bed. I'd sit up and play with toys in bed, mm-hmm. and I ended up seeing a. Uh, one night at the age of around five, I uh, I saw what looked like a single point of light in the room, uh, or at least I thought it was in the room, and uh, it became a spinning counterclockwise white square that got progressively larger as it spun, mm-hmm. and no matter where I looked in the room, whether it be in the corner, shut my eyes, in the bed, it was always in the center of my vision, and that culminated with culminated with me essentially whiting out and waking up sometime later I have no idea when with uh, the blue light over somewhere behind my head laying flat on my back and having uh, essentially in some sort of bed with very tightly pulled sheets and they were all black I never had black sheets as a kid mm-hmm. um, I remember n- not any a semblance of white light in this blue light whatsoever. It was just the purest, richest, deepest blue. Um, and I can picture it in my head because I, I remember it being so intense that you could literally see the dust floating in the air mm-hmm. wherever, I, wherever I was because I, I don't believe at this point that I was in my room at that point. Um, so the whole focusing on that light is... Like oddly familiar, I think, to my white square type of thing. Almost, mm-hmm. even though that was really there for you, and this white square really wasn't—I don't think—objectively um, real. I don't think someone would have seen it had they been there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it certainly seems like you were focusing on something, or, or whereas I was made to focus on something, you were right. focusing on, on something kind of manually. Because you liked that experience. I did not like my experiences. And mine, too, were every night from the ages of five to nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that's, it's got an odd, oddly similar ring to it, which you're one of the first people that, that's kind of hit that <laughs> mm-hmm. for me. I don't meet that many people that, that describe that kind of thing with that similar weird factor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, so you weren't afraid at all of this. No, um, but you know, as an adult, and I would leave my body a lot, and I would, all kinds of things happen. And I thought they were pretty, for the most part, pretty neat. And then oh. somewhere along the line, uh, they didn't become so neat anymore. Well, I did I mean, have you, one. Oh, when sorry, you were a kid, did you? When you were young, did you? Did you see their faces? I no, mean, and in fact, I talk a lot about what I call my invisible aliens, uh-huh. and aliens it meaning alien, you know, it could be alien, any it's just alien to right. our our sense of what. Sure, it could be ET, it could be whatever, but uh, and I, I'm also a painter, and I have one painting I've done where I'm kind of dancing with these sort of elongated stick figure beings in my. Uh, right in the little kind of vestibule before the front door. Uh, but they have no faces at all. Right. Because I can't recall faces of any kind. Mm. And yeah. uh, so I have dark no... Shapes? I mean, how about How about dark shapes in a sense of you know someone's there, but you can't really make them out. I mean, did you ever have anything like that in those early years? Did you have a um, in other words, not a um, not a humanoid form or mm-hmm. shape, but rather like a black shadow type of thing. Did you have? No, but I had. I just wrote. In fact, it's uh, it came out. I think just in the last week on USO Digest, I uh, talked about the what I call the fuzzy puppet wolves. And this is another weird thing about myself and my husband. Um, I used to have this experience with these little gray, furry, animal-like, uh, remind me of kind of wolves, but not necessarily, uh, not malevolent, malevolent in any way. Although they weren't, at the same time, you had to be pretty careful. But very small, like little hand puppets, all around my bed. And they would go, come around the edges of my bed and kind of be talking to me and, and they, they had something to do with taking me away. And it turned out my husband had the same experience as a child. <laughs> many times. And I had this many times. Uh, that's the closest I got to seeing. Well, one other time, I remember, um, waking up, I must have been about four, waking up screaming, just terrified, because I'd seen through the French doors out on the patio this little, almost like a Marvin the Martian kind of (laughs) being, only it was not comical in any way. Uh, And he was doing something. He was fiddling around with what at first I thought was our hose. And I thought, what is he doing with our hose? And I remember being very offended. How dare this? this person, this thing, be in our yard messing with our hose. That's our hose, you know. And he looked at me, and he was very angry that I saw him. He had red glowing eyes, hmm. and he pointed something at me, like a like a gun kind of thing. The P-32 space modulator. Pardon? The P-32 space modulator. You got that. Was, it must have been it. Yeah. And I remember screaming and screaming, and I was uh, in the dark, in the kind of den that led out to the... 
And again, later telling my mother about this, she said, there is no way you would have been in that den alone at night, you know, by yourself. What are you talking about? (laughs) And that stayed with me. That, to this day, and I'm in my 50s now, whenever I think of that, I still get kind of, you know, this weird, cold sense of anxiety. Well, uh, I'm curious that about. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the um, the the little fur, furry gray animals. Um, mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that they they seem friendly, and obviously when they gathered around your bed and talked to you, mm-hmm. do you remember the conversations of what they were saying? I mean, no, it, uh, it was hard. It was more. I couldn't. They did kind of make a have a language, and it was sort of gibberish that <laughs> that they could understand. I know, but some... No, you have no idea why I'm laughing. This is just freaking me out. But uh, telepathically, I could understand what was going on. Right. And and you, yeah. you mentioned that they they seem friendly, but you had to watch them. Can you... Yeah, they... Uh, it was like at any moment kind of thing. You know, you just wanted to be very... Like you wouldn't turn your back on them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you the reason why I'm laughing is because last night uh, I had a really good conversation with Dr. McKenna, and and I'm reading, of course, True Hallucinations by <clears throat> Terrence McKenna and Food of the Gods by both brothers. And uh, one of the things they mention is in the DMT experience is that you encounter these things that, that Terrence deemed uh, tykes. They were self-transforming uh, machine elves that uh, were about the size of a basketball. They were jeweled, um, right. small. And as he kind of went back into this experience multiple times using the compound, he kind of got a better sense of what these things... They were very zany. They speak in gibberish. Um mm-hmm. They, uh, they're chatty, they're zany, uh, almost cartoon-like, and, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually he came to realize that, um, uh, and, and you have to excuse me because I'm reading also uh, the spirit molecule, so this may be an amalgamation from the, the two that I'm reading at the same time, but people have said uh, they're zany, they're funny, and they seem friendly, but I wouldn't turn my back on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. It's like oh. all of these connective tissues to this experience. And, and by the way, the, the McKenna brothers do not, uh, as far as I know, in what I've read so far and in talking with them, um, they believe that this is um, a, a real experience, that this isn't a, uh, a cerebral thing, that, these, that you're actually going somewhere else or that you are somewhere else with these beings that are independently thinking of you. And... Uh, it's just the way you're describing them as these little furry guys. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of similar because one of the things that Dr. McKenna said was it's unsure. He was unsure if they were actually made of machinery or whether they were made of something biological. It was very hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever get any sense of them being machine-like in any way? Or um, well, I got, I. Probably in my child's mind, they were like, I suppose they were machine-like 
in the sense that they were they were like inanimate toys that became alive. Right. <laughs> so they were kind of biological, but but not of that origin. If that makes sense. Did all. you ever get to touch them? No. Hmm. No. Not that I remember. Oh. <laughs> why? Why do you think uh, you said that the Marvin the Martian? Encounter yeah. <laughs> um, gave you gives you anxiety to think about it now, right? Uh-huh. Or, um, why is that? If, if if everything is happy, friendly, and all that, why, where does the anxiety come from? I don't know. I'm just reporting the experiences. And no, uh, I know. But do you yeah. think it's a cover? Do you think that the happy-go-lucky thing is a cover for something that that is giving you anxiety? You know, on the one hand, yes, because I have since then I have so many memories that I'm blocked. I've had two episodes of Missing Time. Um, I would have a lot of dreams, uh, horrible, horrible dreams of just being literally paralyzed in fear and not being able to move and things like that And uh, because this beam of light was keeping me there, you know, things like that. Um, So I don't know if if they're even related. I remember one time my mother, she used to... There are a bunch of us kids in the house, and so after dinner, she, after she did the dishes, she'd go out on the porch and smoke a cigarette, and we couldn't go out there, <laughs> bugger. And so one night, all of a sudden, she starts calling to us very excitedly to come outside because she saw a flying saucer. And everybody was saying, sure, Mom, sure, yeah, right. Nobody would come out, but I came out to go look. And she's pointing, and she was really upset because it had gone. And she wanted to be believed. She said, I saw it. It was not a plane. And she kept describing it and everything. And she's hoping it would come back. And and I said to her, um, oh, don't worry, Mom. They come back. It'll be back. They always come back. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. I don't remember saying that either. I remember the, the incident, but I don't remember saying that. But she is insistent that that's what I said. Well, what has this done for you, if anything, overall? After 50 years of experiencing this stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything about you that's that you know? Jesus, is this a hard question? Is there anything you know different about you than Joe Blow who isn't going through this? Um, I don't know. I'm I just I'm a pretty simple person, really. <laughs> I just um, I think I kind of live in a strange space um, all the time. <laughs> You know, as I say, I'm a writer and a painter, and I'm just kind of always... It, it just, as strange and unnerving at times as all this is, it also is just a part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a part of life, of existence. You know how people, they, they talk about, um, they feel like they have a mission or a sense of purpose or something, or um, something pseudo-spiritual about it or anything, right. you know, any of that sort of stuff. You've, you know, you, think, you've heard them all. You right. Can, I think I don't think that at all about me, except that, uh, yeah, I sort of have this almost compulsion to say these things publicly online, which I guess when you think about it's kind of bizarre, because <laughs> some people look at me and think, why, why are you doing this? Um, so I think these experiences happen, have happened to humanity forever. I mean, we know that. There's, there's no thinking about it. It's, it's true. But I think now 
it's certainly as cliche as it sounds, in Western culture, we really don't deal with that or deal with it the way we could. And so uh, by my putting me, myself out there, and there's so many others who, who do as well, and just say, just putting our stories out there and encouraging others to do the same, I think is, is productive in some way. I'm not sure yet why or how, but I, you know, I have so many people communicate with me. They send me emails or they'll write to me or they'll, uh, just people who know I'm into this. You know, my coworkers, they all know that I'm into this stuff because I, I make it a point to say so. I'm not sure why I make it a point to say so. And then every now and then somebody will come up to me and, and share with me some incredible experience they've had. No matter how weird or fantastic or strange, they feel comfortable in sharing that with me. And so many times they feel like they can't with others. And so I think it's important to talk about this and share it and acknowledge it, to give it recognition and acknowledge it. And to, sometimes it's hard because, as you well know, you, you guys know this, there's so many people out there that have nothing better to do than just, you know, rip you a new one <laughs> for, for daring to talk about this stuff, you know. But so what? You know, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> well, I wonder after, you know, X amount of years of, mm-hmm. of testimony from people like us, mm-hmm. what about it is important to communicate anymore? You know, what is that drive to communicate it? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what it is, but I know that it's, uh, for me, uh, increasing and has just, a part of it's just working it out for yourself. You know, you you hope you're going to stumble on something yeah. as, as you're going along doing this. Um, and part of it, again, is giving it that recognition. And it's it's almost kind of like what Jeff was saying earlier. You know, you're you're almost giving it some kind of form. I think by, of course, then you have to be careful because then you could get into all kinds of troublesome areas. <laughs> Whose form is is what kind of mm-hmm. thing? There's another interesting facet of of your life, young young Reagan Lee, which mm. is uh, <laughs> you, you've got what a relative who is a Mason. Have you ever? Uh, and you're you're into like conspiracy stuff, right? Like, yeah. So I that know. must be fascinating for you. <laughs> Have you talked to this person about that? So close oh, to well, home. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is my grand, my mother's father, who I never met. He died when my mother was, I think, twenty, before I was born. But he was, uh, he was actually a Russian Jew who left, he and his family had to leave Russia. And for a long time I thought, oh, it's a, a romantic story about the persecuted Jews and they had to leave Russia. And, you know. Well, actually, they were, they were kind of um, hiding out as, uh, were living a life as, as Christians publicly. So not that many people knew they were Jewish, apparently. <laughs> and they had to leave because they were wealthy and kind of the, the bad guys <laughs> as far as the, proletariats were concerned, but anyway, so, but he left, he came to this country, uh, he wrote, 
he was a Buddhist. He was president of the Oregon Vegetarian Society. <laughs> he was a theosophist. Hmm. He wrote books uh, that are out of print. They're very hard to find, they're like little pamphlets and things on Buddhism and theosophy and um, the origin of the name of Oregon and things like that. And he was apparently a 32nd degree Mason. And that's really all I know. It's very difficult trying to get more information than that. I had a uh, Masonic listener call me. Uh um, And he basically told me that he has checked everything he possibly can out, and the Masons have zero secrets. Uh Uh-huh. Do you buy that? I don't know. Um, I'm not that much into the the Masonic thing. Uh, My mother never... talked about that part of his life much, except that he was. I do have one photograph of him of, in his hat, his Mason hat, huh. whatever you call it. <laughs> but um, I just find it interesting that he, that that was the kind of life he led. And there's a lot more mystery going on with this guy. So you're like a human X-file. You've got all this stuff going on. Now, okay, let's let's do our best to swing this back toward Bigfoot. I don't know that it's possible, but um, how do we go? How, how, how do you go from all to, I mean, when is enough enough? Like, what, what, how do you then get to Bigfoot and be like, yes, I want to be interested in this too? <laughs> well, for me, well, I've always kind of enjoyed um, just stories of crypt, crypto kind of animals, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, all that stuff, just because. Um, obviously, I'm a, you know, born fortune, but uh, what got me particularly interested, I came to Bigfoot kind of a roundabout way that drives uh, sort of nuts and bolts Bigfoot people, <laughs> if you could call them that, crazy. You know, I came to it by way of these stories of, you know, UFO landed, and the next thing they knew, there's a Bigfoot running around the town, you know, that kind of thing. So that's my interest, or that's how I came interested in Bigfoot. And then I'm interested just generally as well, you know, in all the research that's going on with Bigfoot. But including the stories, I my background's a folklore, so I'm really interested in, in the stories and the narratives of people. And that is satisfying to me. I don't need, I don't need to run off and then prove or disprove the story right. necessarily. It's I enough do. for me to hear it. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I feel like you're addressing me personally, Reagan, and I'm not going to stand for it. So do you think that um, Loch Ness Monster or what, you know, any, all of these things, do you think they are all of the same, like a Greg Bishop or a Nick Redfern does, they're, they're all the same trickster force? I think so because of the persistent, elusive nature of them and the high strangeness. Oh, who was it? I think it was, I can't remember if it was Nick Redford. Who, where did I read that? I just read an account somewhere. You know, it's so hard. I mean, I read a gazillion things a day. Where was I reading that? But some uh, person who was very much into looking for the Loch Ness creature uh, he had camped out there for a long time and just was very obsessed and dedicated. 
And then he started having a lot of strange experiences and weird lights and UFO kind of activity and orbs and manifestations and men in black and, and all kinds of weirdness, and he ended up just getting out of there, you know. Um, so these stories have the added element of extreme high strangeness, and you can't get away from them. And so what does that say? And, and same with Mothman, you know. So eventually it leads you back to this idea of they're, they're on the surface they're very different from each other, but maybe their manifestations you know, emanated from the same uh, source. They're a symptom of something else. They're a symptom of something else, an, an expression, a creative expression mm-hmm. of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you leap to any sort of conclusion about what that is, whether it's benevolent, malevolent, indifferent? Well, I think, I mean, clearly it's it's many things, all things, at at different times, depending on maybe it's if you go along with the idea of trickster, it could be it's it's whim, it could be our whim, it could be a combination of both, it could be uh, as people say with the abduction ex- uh, experience, for example, and aliens in general, uh, we. Our interpretations of them, our level of current understanding, and depending on that level of of understanding, whether it's the tools we have or the you know, where we're all, where we are on a scale, um, <clears throat> how we interpret these things. And so, for some people, I had psychic tell me once, well, the reason why you're afraid and you're blocked is you're not yet at the right vibration, and it, you know you haven't ascended high enough yet, and that's kind of a typical New Agey sort of you know response, and that that may be true actually on some level, you know, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time it kind of smacks a kind of a smug self righteousness, you know, that kind of <laughs> an excuse, you. yeah, an excuse like you know, come on. Like well, and also, what does that even mean? Yeah, <laughs> was a higher know, vibrational exactly. level I of. I just need to eat less, you know, donuts or something, and I'll be. Stay away <laughs> from the know. fruit. You'll be fine. Yeah. Stay away from fruit. <laughs> don't drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah, don't drink that. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's kind of. Uh, I mean, uh, I look at it as a symptom of something much bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, going back to what you were saying about. Or, or where is it leading, or what your your compulsion to talk about it like you do, and and having others who have something happen come and convey that to you, mm-hmm. you have to wonder if that's not the point of it involving you um, to be kind of this uh, this go to uh, for people around you, and um, I'm pretty well convinced at this stage of the game, after 21 now years in this crap, that. Uh, it's it's not going to be. I don't know how you feel about this part of it, but I don't think as far as the UFO thing goes, the whole alien, if that's what you want to call them, uh, thing is going. I don't see this uh, disclosure, this exit political thing. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any top down 
admittance by anyone or uh, a revelation on you know the six o'clock news or even a, a special report, uh, I think this is going to go with people like you uh, talking about this, people like all of us actually talking about mm-hmm. stuff like this, and eventually it becoming uh, so much of it it seems so subtle. And going off of that kind of line of thought, is it is it subtly working its way to being into you know a hundred years down the line? Is this just going to be something everybody knows? You right. know, it's it's not going to be this. Oh my God, look at this! It's going to be this gradual you know indoctrination into realizing that this is just part of reality. This is just what it is. Right. I uh, I do think that actually, and I. It was kind of amusing, you know, I write Tricksters around for uh, Tim Banal's uh, site. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sort of musing on 2012, which I'd never really been interested in uh, before. And yet lately I've been feeling this sort of energy around it. People that I know that kind of surprise me with their uh, intense feelings around 2012. And so I ended up saying, yeah, it has to do with the acknowledgement and acceptance of this stuff <laughs> and just what you were saying, Jeff. And I agree, I agree with that. And I think so this is all sort of a process towards that. And, and, and so maybe that's why people like us just keep at it. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah. I think we're definitely seeing like a, at least for my opinion, you know, I'm seeing this uh, almost this sudden interest in the bizarre by the scientific, the hardline scientific community looking at and postulating really extraordinary theories that seem just as bizarre as everything we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like we're ahead of the curve of mainstream science or anything. I think... From what I, I mean, anybody who's heard me talk before has known how much I hate scientists. But mm-hmm. uh, the the um, the idea that they seem to be more willing to look into certain things and postulate these ridiculous theories that would have been ten years ago, like what, a scientist said that, are you insane? Mm-hmm. Uh, now all of a sudden, this is like these these theorizing and and whatnot is becoming almost common and now we've got you know of course it's i think broken now but the the cern reactor coming on that's going to tell us supposedly so many more things about uh where we are with all this reality thing and and how the universe was made and what kind of energy is going on with that i think all of that is uh is leading us into this mesh of the things we're talking about, whatever box you want to put that in, and science to some degree, kind of almost uh, touching fingertips at a certain point to acknowledge this kind of thing. And that's where I think that that, that uh, your hardline materialist realist guy is going to go, maybe I do need to look at that a little bit. And then mm-hmm. he becomes interested in this kind of thing. So, right. um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's just it's going to become something everyone knows. Right. Uh, and I agree with you about disclosure, too, as far as, uh, you know, these expectations that the government's going to come clean and, <laughs> and reveal all. That will never, ever happen. 
yeah. uh, for a whole lot of reasons. And one, the, the phenomena itself is just so multifaceted and so uh, elusive and full of contradictions, and yet there's so many similarities, and it's just the swirling, seething mass of, you know, uh, high strangeness. Uh, a part of its nature is you, the infrastructure can't get a hold of it, in other words. Right. It, well, they they try can't. to. They put they put it they into try, that. Sure. <laughs> they, they put do it in that but, box. <laughs> right. They try to, as as they also try to debunk mm-hmm. and deny, and they they'll never stop. But it's not going to come from the, from them. The right. disclosure. It's a, it's a if you have to say disclosure at all, it's just what you were saying that personal. Yeah, the individual. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the problem really to, I mean, and, and let me know if you've encountered this kind of thing too, because I think that, uh, I, I think you recognize this for being a lot deeper than, than the mainstream of ufology sees it as. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I always look back because it's kind of my staple experience was when, uh, um, uh, I guess I'm just uh, t- too bashful to stand up in front of a, a a large group of people <laughs> uh, at a con- at a at a any kind of convention or or gathering, uh, but Jeremy, um, he has a much he bigger set fun. than I do, uh, <laughs> and and he got up at the end of the um, the, the the last X conference and said, "I'm just curious, uh, you know, you guys have this whole thing in place uh, based on an extraterrestrial hypothesis. Do you have any real proof that that's what it is?" Right. And oh my God, if you'd have been there, the Oh, oh, I know. The crowd I, was just, oh, how yeah. could you, what are you here for? And, uh, One of them said, I can imagine. You know, you just, I can well imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, uh, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that I think, I mean, tell me if you agree with this. Isn't that the kind of thing that kind of sets this back in public awareness of it? I mean, how much of that do you encounter? Uh, I encounter that, and I, you know, look, first of all, I, kind of like the ET hypothesis a little bit. I mean, I, I do think there's a face on Mars, and it's quite possible they're moon people or, you know, ET and alien. I mean, why, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that's one little sliver of what's happening, and one does not negate the other, and I think what happens is so many people are focused on this one little sliver and they're ignoring everything else. Right. And it's all connected, and it gets pretty messy and confusing, but, you know, tough. That's what it is. Yeah. And you just got to dig in there and deal. I, I think I have this quote up on my blog, The Orange Orb. Dr. Hynek said something like, because I can't find my own blog now, what did he say? He said something about, well, for, what did he say? Let's see. The part we ignore may contain the clue to the whole subject. Right. Yeah. And I thought that's, yeah, good for him, you know. And it's, it's so many people just are slicing away and they're only looking at, at little aspects of, of what we call ufology. 
and ignoring or refusing to look at other parts, either because it's old news or it's uh, too weird or, you know, whatever reason you want. And I don't understand how, no matter what the subject is, how you think you can get anywhere if, if you cling to just one or two little bits. It's like, it's as... The Sufi story about the, the blind men and the elephant, and they all uh-huh. touch a different part of the elephant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, one, one says, oh, no, it's... Well, it's the same thing. We have to start standing back a little bit and, and at least acknowledge, at least listening to these other aspects. Right. And I mean really listening, not just listening and then saying, yeah, ha, 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 and then moving on. <laughs> Right. Unless they claim to be time lords or uh, shape-shifting reptilians, then... Yeah, I mean, we all have our uh, <laughs> limits, and I have mine. I yeah. Mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's, you know, something to be learned, I think, right. with it all. Well, that's that's kind of like the confusing part to me now, and I told Jeremy this the other day. I said, you know, we we hear some of these bizarre tales, and... I think maybe maybe unfairly look away from some of them, mm-hmm. but ultimately, if that person is dealing with this experience and knowing um, and I was lucky pretty early on to to have a, a research partner who said, you know look don't don't necessarily believe your own perception because something's being diddled with here as far as that goes. So I look at some of these crazy stories and I go, well, you know. Could that have been their experience? Could that have been uh, actually what manifested with them? In in these ones where the story doesn't change and it doesn't get outlandish and it's not all about you, um, but but in those those parts where people see genuinely weird stuff mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't seem to make any sense but almost seems sci-fi-ish in a way, um, you have to wonder if, if that's not a perceptual reality for them, that that was their experience. And there may be something um, uh, wrong uh, when you look at that story, but when you, if you talk to any of these people at any length and try and trip them up and they don't trip up, then you have to kind of say, well, I wonder if that wasn't part of this game, and, uh, and that was just their way of perceiving it. You know, right. I, and, and that's where and it they, really gets confusing. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And the thing that's manifesting is showing itself, possibly, in that way to that person. Right. And this is part of my, one of my areas of fascination is uh, our Marian apparitions. And uh, I'm not sure why. <laughs> Probably because I went to Catholic school. <laughs> right. But, uh, although I'm not a Christian or a Catholic, but... I'm fascinated by them in, in the context of paranormal phenomena, uh, including UFO phenomena. So, uh, and so many stories of apparitions of when they see Mary, uh, use, often the witnesses say it was a being or a lady in white or whatever color, uh, often floating. Uh, they don't, a lot of times they don't say she said she's Mary. Right. They put that interpretation onto it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just one very small example that yeah. you know other researchers have done 
you know, like Ingo Swan and so many others. Uh, Jacques Vallée, um, so many yeah. have written, yeah. And so there are these things going on, <laughs> what we were saying before. And maybe it's the same source and it's manifesting itself differently. You know, Greg Bishop just recently wrote, on his blog, UFO Mystic, a really, what I thought was a very um, kind of bittersweet piece about Pamela Stonebrook. Uh-huh. You know who she is? She was... Uh, Looks like Marilyn Maverick. Monroe, right? The reptilian? Pardon? Looked like, Mar- looked like Marilyn Monroe a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah well, uh, reptilian she, lover. Right. She, right. <laughs> yes. And, you know, but he knew her. Mm-hmm. And he, so that... I mean, that right away puts kind of a different take on this. And he knew her, and she had this story to tell. And so it, it's so easy to dismiss people and stories like this as, what a fruitcake, and then be done with it. That's kind of the easy way out. And I'm not saying her, I don't know, for one thing, I've never met her, I can't say, but clearly something happened, and this is getting back to what we said at the beginning with people like Stan Johnson, for example, and people who've had these kinds of experiences. Something has happened. Well, yeah, watch me dismiss it. You ready? She's crazy, and he's horny. The end. What? I didn't hear that. <laughs> Darn, I missed it. All I heard was horny. I said, she's crazy, and he's horny. The end. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, yeah. you're you're a lot well, more uh, lenient when it's a blonde Marilyn Monroe looking gal looking you in the face and telling you you're she's having sex with reptilians. I mean, well, maybe you are. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but you know what? And yeah. this and this all fits nicely into that pie of a- ambiguity mm-hmm. with this because mm-hmm. that is the yeah. only constant in any right. of this is the ambiguity. So, if uh, if this appears to her as a uh, uh, Really hot to trot lizards, uh, then, then, uh, then, then we look at that and go, well, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but now we're sitting here saying, well, could that have been her experience with the same phenomena? As bizarre as it is, how is that mm-hmm. out of the realm? So therefore, mm-hmm. we have to look at it and say what Jeremy and I were tossing around, which was uh, the importance of. Uh, of different accounts and the importance attached to them uh, based on do they sound like part of this phenomena or do they sound so completely bizarre that they're not worth listening to? And there are some like that. We can't deny that. Right. Not everybody's story is valid. Not everybody's story holds the same water or the same importance. That's a given. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, knowing that it affects perception to such a huge degree Again, this thing is hiding. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's only constant is ambiguity that, that uh, we'll never be able to put our finger on it, but yet it interacts with people in such a profound way that it can't be ignored anymore. So, there, again, there's that, there's that conflict that's, you know, that uh, uh, almost that self-deprecating way about it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, uh, uh, you know, that this is why when I hear... Um, uh, stories that I've told before on the Paracast and others, you know, shows that, mm-hmm. you know, when you get a call at 3 a.m. by a very panicked family who sees a tractor trailer floating over their barn, mm-hmm. you got to take that seriously. Right. 
uh, because that's what they're seeing. And uh, and again, it's that it's that that that's ridiculous. Are you? They must be drinking. Right. <laughs> but again, is it just hiding behind that that veil of ambiguity again? Mm-hmm. You know. And that's right. And I agree with all that. And that's why. <clears throat> With, I think often with good intentions, there are some that in the UFO field, for example, who want to get up some kind of UFO official thing, and this is going to once and for all answer and study the question, and, and so therefore we need to eliminate these kinds of experiences and stories and people right. from the field in order to reach our goal of being all official. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just, you know, I, it's, it can't happen. <laughs> right. Well, for one thing, that it never will happen, but, I mean, you can't get, I'm just repeating myself, I know, but you can't get anywhere with that kind of intent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think In that's... In my obvious. opinion. <laughs> I, I'm, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's obvious by... You know, uh, the, the the current state of abduction research being uh, in the public eye is nothing but uh, spacemen coming down here to start a hybrid race, which, right. where the hell is the proof in that? I mean, all these people got a lot of explaining to do as far as I'm concerned, but, um, you know, but that that's become the face of what we're looking at. So, therefore, the minute you tell a stranger or someone you know, Hey, you know, this has happened to me. Oh, well, did they take sperm and ovum from you? No. <laughs> you know, and then they wonder why. And then when you give them this weird tale, you're a nut. So, right. um, you know, the, again, hiding behind the, uh, the, the story that's out there. So, I mean, uh, I think it's been pretty well established at this point, at least between Jeremy and I and what we've said on here, that we haven't got the whole story from these group of researchers that are out there doing this stuff and uh, that they've ad- admittedly thrown stuff out that doesn't fit their preconceived notion or their pedestrian answer of uh, extraterrestrial um, hybridization and global domination, you know, theory. Right. So, um, you know, how do you turn that wheel? <laughs> That's the question. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, how do you, how do you break that cycle? I think uh, one of the ways is by continuing to do what you're doing and and all of us who are telling our stories are doing, no matter how strange or vague or silly or what have you the stories are, continuing to tell them. You know, when I talk about some strange, weird dream that was a dream but it wasn't and for some reason it resonates with a UFO sighting or something, uh, I put it out there. Right. Because maybe maybe it doesn't mean a damn thing, <laughs> or maybe it does. Right. I, I don't know either. I'm not saying it does or it doesn't, but I'm saying it's part of the experience, and together we can look at these things. Right. Being no less than critical about them at the same time. I mean, that's... I think that's a big key to it um, is is having the um, having the ability now to not to accept everything someone says is absolutely legitimate um, and being critical minded about what you're hearing and what you're 
you know, what you're saying. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about little furry gray guys gathering around your bed, that may sound weird to a lot of people, but, right. uh, but, I can uh, see that. <laughs> but it's a part of, uh, something that connects to a much larger picture, which is interesting to me. Um, so I, I think that, that, uh, you really do have to be super critical of what you're hearing, but at the same time, I don't think you can really jump out of hand and say, no, nah, I don't buy that, um, unless you really take the time to go through and look at it. Right. You know? Right, and I think, too, what you were just saying about being critical, I think everything comes into play at once, and I'm, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who has a lot of these kinds of experiences and her whole family does, particularly the women. And that's kind of, you hear that a lot. And even to the cliche things like there's Native American blood in her family, as there is in mine, and, you know, all these things about. But there's also a lot of interesting um, just personality dynamics and emotions and family history uh, and a kind of just human psychology that I think has something to do with it as well. The problem is some critics, some people become sort of armchair psychologists or even real psychologists have, uh, like what Bill Burns is saying about uh the psychiatrist that he knows and, and their reaction to these stories would right. be to immediately put you on drugs and lock you up. And right. So we have to be careful of being smug and making these, well, obviously they come from a, you know, uh, alcoholic background or their, you know, dysfunctional family. And so this is why um, these things may have some kind of, mutual effect upon each other, but I don't think it's the cause of them necessarily or the reason why these things are happening or that because of a person's childhood, they're perceiving things a certain way. They may or may not be. Uh, There's a certain vulnerability there, but you can't use that as an excuse to dismiss the experience as invalid, in other words. Right. Always, yeah. Right. Uh, I think I made a point in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the the critical thing. I mean, we have to face facts, and I'm I am a hundred percent sure that you've encountered as much of this as I have. Is that mm-hmm. there are and a, a guy named Russ Estes many years ago. I got on the phone with him for uh, a, a, a week in the evenings, just talking about this whole field, and and he said, Jeff, the one thing I can tell you is that there are a lot of very uh, slimy people in ufology, mm-hmm. and I think that the slime is at, up to our waist at this point in ufology, at least. And uh, and I don't know about the ghost thing in the UFO realm or the uh, Bigfoot realm and all of that, the cryptozoological stuff. But at least in ufology, we're up to our waist in it at this point. And mm-hmm. I think because of everything we've just been talking about, which is the subjective nature of many of the experiences and the um, uh, not being so readily to dismiss the bizarre, but rather study it critically. Uh, I see a lot of, of course, everybody wants an answer. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to know what the answer is. What's the key to all this? What are we doing? Um, 
Uh, and I think it's it's about time that we stop looking for those answers and start thinking of better questions to those, you know, whatever answer we, oh, think we might Oh, yes, yes. But, <laughs> yes. but <laughs> at the, <laughs> please don't stop doing that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Told you you're looking at the key. But, uh, baby. <laughs> but, uh, but what, what else besides that is that, mm-hmm. You've got this entrance of people who recognize the desire, the heated desire for those answers and are taking full financial advantage of selling you that answer. Right. So there you've got that whole aspect of this stuff as well, that there's all too many a charlatan out there ready to sell you the answer right. uh, according to them. And, uh, and, and there's a whole other area of confusion that surrounds this stuff. Right. Um, so, and I'm sure, in, at least in the in the Bigfoot stuff, I mean, what was it? Uh, six months ago, we had Bigfoot in a freezer, right? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. throughout all of this. Everybody wants an answer, and by God, we'll pay for it. And, and the, people... the only that's all that's so true. The only um, possibly uh, what's the word I want? Uh, thing about this that might make one feel better is that. This kind of stuff, these creepy people and the clown-like people and the hucksters and the outright frauds and the, <laughs> and the liars and the, it's part of the trickster nature. And if we consider this whole thing a kind of trickster-like phenomena, then all that stuff is to be expected. And <laughs> yeah. it's ever going to go away. Because it's part of it. Even the debunkers, those psych, those psychotic, <laughs> you know, people that rant and rave on the James Randi forum, mm-hmm. uh, um, are, are part of it. We're mm-hmm. all a part of it. All of us are mm-hmm. a part of it. And as soon as you start looking at it, you're a part of it. Right. So, you know, it's, Although I get impatient with that stuff too, sometimes and annoyed and scared. <laughs> sometimes I mean, don't you uh, just ignore it, there, Reagan? I mean, don't you just what? ignore that? That don't you just ignore that kind of thing, though? For the I most do part? now. Yes. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's still uh, every now and then you just have to scream. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, know? yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I did. I did that after the King show. So. <laughs> oh well, that was. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Jeremy, back well, to you. Well, Reagan, it's been nice talking to you. Oh, hi, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. About Bigfoot. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, Bigfoot. Uh, Little deviation. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> right. I, I, I have nothing to add. I don't know. I, I just think that um, as appealing as that is, I've heard it before, you know, that, that everyone's a part of this thing, including the Greers and the Myers and all this, but I, I feel like that's... Uh-huh. Um, a cop-out to not have to deal with the fact that these people are hoaxing people for money or for status or for cult activity, you know. That doesn't mean you can't, right. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't say just what you said or have that opinion or uh, even go after them if, if you feel you must. I'm just, my, my only point was, it's just to be expected that they're going, 
going to be present. <laughs> well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah I, that, right. that's a given. I mean, you know, this thing right. is, um, it's a weird subject. It, it, you know, the, it's got so many components, superficial components to it, you know, and, and I've mm-hmm. been comparing it almost to like rock and roll or art or something, you know, where it's like you've got these, these hangers on, these wannabes who are like, you know, moths attracted to the flame. You know, we, Jeff and I were talking mm-hmm. about this earlier. It's like, you know, there, there are certain people who, um, you know, think that they're going to get in with the click by befriending you and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, what are we talking about? You know, it's like ufology. It's like the, the fringe of the fringe, as Tim Banal would say, you know. And so why would you even right. want to be associated with that? But people do, you know. People yeah. really, there's yeah. all that stuff that's associated with, like, fame, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so you're going to get, you know, but what's interesting is that the only people who really seem to make money uh, anymore uh-huh. are probably hucksters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems weird. It's like not only are hucksters the, the ones who, who will make money because they're going to provide you an answer, but then um, there's this other weird thing of like if you if you do have a true story to tell and you sell it, then you're considered a sellout, basically. Then you're considered, well, you must be a huckster, too, because if it was really right. true, then then you wouldn't, you would just give it for free, you know? So, I don't know. It's a weird, it's all yeah, a Yeah, I, I never understood that. And that's the same thing with, with uh, some people's feelings about psychics, that somehow you shouldn't charge money for your services. And uh, I don't quite get that either. But yes. that's a whole other issue. See, I told you, I told you, I had nothing to add, Reagan, but you didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the question here, Reagan, is what aggravates you more: the hucksters that are out there pushing this this uh, UFO dope on the public, or um, or the all too willing people to take the needle? I mean, <laughs> which, what do you mean uh, by by taking the needle? Uh, I mean, they're they're. I mean, I think probably the most disgusting thing okay. I ever saw in my life was was um, with Jeremy at the X conference when we saw the standing ovation for one of the oh, speakers. Oh, I see. Right. I see. Uh, more garbage poured out of his mouth in that hour than I've ever seen in my life. And right. these people were all too willing to um, to 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 suck the teat of fake. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm just full of these colloquialisms tonight, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, it, it, that aggravates me even more than the than the douchebags putting the stuff out. I mean, that's I hate to be I'd that. Say they're really almost the same thing in a way, but uh, but I would say the people that are just so willing to hold on to the one idea or theory about it all, and to the point where they're not going to listen to any other one. Mm-hmm. And it, to the point where they will really not only not listen, they will attack you. Yes. And that is very frustrating, of course, but it's it's just very bizarre. Uh, you know, I don't understand that. I I don't know if I ever will, but it happens all. This the I think time. I kind of get, and I think I think as this is know. uh cut from the same cloth as. You know, uh, asking you know why does uh, people would would believe a, a fraud over the facts, or um, would even jump to a conclusion about their own experiences or other people's experiences? All that stuff is all of the same cloth, which is that um, 
we want to control this thing. We want answers. You know, we we don't want question, mm. and we certainly don't want mystery mm-hmm. with a capital M, which is what this smacks of in a way. And right. if if it's true that this has been with us since the beginning, then it's also true that this yeah. is partly. Um, what science thought it was setting out to destroy when the rational mind came around and said, uh, we're going to reduce everything to materialism and scientific fact to do away with superstition. Um, well, that's great, mm-hmm. but then it tried to bring real, quote-unquote, paranormal stuff with it and real higher mm-hmm. spiritual transcendent whatever stuff with it, um, mistaking it for the superstition. And so here's this mm-hmm. stuff that, that right. they thought they did away with, rearing its ugly head, and it's like, you know, it's like we, we it does it, it no matter what the brain tries to do, whether it tries to be religious, whether it tries to be superstitious, whether it tries to be scientific and mm-hmm. logical, it doesn't matter what the brain does. Um, it, it it's got to be in control. It's got to have an answer that yeah. essentially makes it God. That makes you the center where you can be like, okay, I get this. I understand life. Right. I understand everything that's going on. Okay. And I think that that's what all well, of them the are. Well, the only answer I know for sure is that uh, no one has the answer. Well, right. <laughs> and that seems so cliche and obvious to me. And then you're always running into people that have the answer. Or at least they're telling you that you don't have the answer. <laughs> I don't know. They, I've been attacked for, uh, as, as was brought up earlier here, for not being so concerned with an answer as to the kinds of questions and the process and the the journey itself. And um, that uh, seems to offend some people. <laughs> well, not us, Reagan. We're all about the journey, baby. Yeah, we'll kick their asses. <laughs> you just, you tell them, you write it down. You don't even have to tell us. Write down and, and slide the note under my door and we'll take care of it. And I realize how new agey that sounds, and all, you know, and all that. And and I finally have come to embrace my new age side. You know, there's some of that in me. Oh well, I mean, I just am who I am. That's well, that, now that depends on how <laughs> that depends on how much uh, faith you place in fairies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as as long as you don't think that that you are traveling to the future to speak to dolphins about anything, uh, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Fairies. <laughs> The thing is, fairies are going to end up being real, Jeff. This is the whole problem with the fairy thing. I know. I know. The more we make fun of fairies, the more we see about them being real. (laughs) Yes. This is true. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, Reagan, (laughs) we have uh, have, uh, picked away at you longer than you've probably ever wanted. So thank you very much for uh, chatting with us for so long. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, well, I've enjoyed it, and uh, thank you very much. It was fantastic. Ah! Oh my god, Jeff! Oh my god! Regulies a Bigfoot! Regulies a Bigfoot! Regulies a Bigfoot! Ah! <laughs> I'll do anything to get out of here! Oh, sure, sure, sure. Did somebody say ah! anything to get out of here? Where'd you come from? We'll do anything. Whatever you want. Just just get us the hell out of here. We'll do your damn show. Ah, excellent. The stars have aligned. My dreams have come true. I've given to the universe, and she's given back. Sweet mistress. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck ever. Just get us out of here. It's done. Later that night. Hello? Jeff, it's me. Hi. What's up? I can't sleep. Take a pill. Oh, Jeff, I can't sleep. Jeff, I can't sleep.
What? What do you want to do? What? Yeah, I know. I, you said that already. Are you tired? Are you asleep? I was. Did I wake you? Yeah. No, not really. I was watching TV. Oh, what were you watching? Uh, Girls Going Wild on Paratopia. Is that right? Yeah. I gotta check that out. What'd you think of that uh, Reagan Lee? Did she change her mind about Bigfoot or anything after she, uh... Just after she changed into a Bigfoot right in front of her eyes, and then she ran back into the forest to eat bananas Jared, or something. Jared, 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 just let's keep it one thing in perspective here. Can't sleep. Reagan Lee's hot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't care if she's shorn. Or Harry is a French actress in the 70s. She is hot. Yeah. Well, that's not really the point. The point is, I mean, did you, what did you think of her? She's neat. No, I, 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 uh, uh, I, I think she, that she echoes a lot of our sentiments about a lot of this stuff. And, uh, and, and she does seem to be kind of into many different aspects of it all. Um, so I'm sure she takes kind of a made view on, on, on all of it, but, uh, I find it interesting that the, the Bigfoot thing, and I, I had heard stories in years past about the whole Bigfoot UFO thing slash paranormal, um, thing when we had a, uh, a speaker come to a MUFON group that I used to attend sporadically, um, years ago and, uh, yeah, I I may have mentioned it to you before, but um, he showed a photograph where you had very very large prints uh, in in fresh snow, and they went far down this little trail, which had no surrounding trees. It was very open, um, and 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 no way for someone to you know in essence grab up and grab a branch and swing away on these branches, these footprints just absolutely stopped. And the, the person who took these, these pictures of these prints said that they saw Bigfoot walk into a column of light. Uh, and, and it was gone. Um, to which we all kind of, we were amused by that. (laughs) And, uh, and then he went on to talk about how, um, one, Man and woman, I believe, had talked about, uh, um, and I'm not sure if you remember or if anybody's going to remember the whole thing with experiencers many years ago. There was a lot of talk of a black box, uh, experiencers being given a black box and hiding it or, um, and not remembering where they hid it, but uh, uh, apparently someone who had had extensive uh alien experiences who knew about this box thing and was mentioning it routinely. He was shown the box in a field next to a landed craft and uh, a Bigfoot type creature came out from the woods, picked up the box. The box buzzed. The Bigfoot fell over dead and two aliens carried it onto the disc. What the hell do you make of that? I mean, what do you say to that kind of stuff? I mean, it's just so, I mean, we think of Bigfoot and we think of, the UFO thing, uh, whatever that means, and you know, never the two shall meet. But when they do, you're talking about some seriously bizarre stuff. Um, I mean, I liked your analogy of the furry fairies, <laughs> mostly because I just like saying it, furry fairies. Um, but I mean, uh, I mean, what do you what do you do with stuff like that? And I'm, 
uh, I'd be curious to know if there's something like that for Loch Ness or, or Champ or Ogopogo or any of these things that happen to come up. Is there any mention of, you know, the paranormal stuff, knowing what we know about the abduction scenario and how that's been kind of selectively written and edited about, has that same thing happened in those fields? I mean, you got to wonder. Yeah, well, we don't have to wonder. We can we can find these researchers. We can grill them. They'll show up at Paratopia. This and more on the next right. In Search Of. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the so. jury in my head is still out. Uh, you know, I, I think back to my ex-roommate Brian Long, who I told you saw, well, he, you know, someone had run in to the establishment he was in, a diner or something, screaming about having seen this Bigfoot family, and he, you know, dropped his horses and ran, basically, uh, and then had to go back up right. there to get them, and then, you know, Brian laughed it off, but he and his friends went out there, and they heard the thing thumping in the forest coming at them, and heard this the owl-slash-growling screech sound that that he then later heard on, I think, in search of, um, from someone who claimed that that is a Bigfoot noise, and he said, oh my god, that's that's exactly it. So, to me, that sounds like a forest creature, you know? Um, and right. when I see, I, I don't remember, it's one of these on Sci-Fi or History Channel, you know, one of these shows where the dude goes to, uh, I think it's Australia, and looking for their version of, well, it almost sounds more like a caveman type thing, but their version of Bigfoot, some hairy man. And they end up, um, right. you know, the legend about him is that he throws rocks at you and all this sort of stuff, and they don't end up seeing it, but something is lobbing rocks at them. You know, they, did you see that? Yes. Yes. Okay. And yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. The and wild, they end up getting like a yeah. footprint from him or something. I don't know. You know, they, they presented evidence somewhere. I, well, this, this, this is where the guy actually took the board and, uh, something had trashed his place previously. I mean, really bad. I mean, tore cabinets off the yeah, wall and whatnot. And he actually put down a board with, uh, drywall screws up through it, like a spiked board. And that was where right, they right. collected this sample of material off of it. So they knew that there was something coming up to this, right up to the damn house and inside of it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's it speaks like a, a wilderness uh, thing. Um, who knows what the glories of deforestation and global warming will produce? You know, maybe these things will come out like Wookies with guns and <laughs> start blasting the empires. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I think the interesting part is that, uh, uh, and of course it was in the woods and whatnot, but, but they never found out what was throwing the rocks. Number one, uh, n- number two, these were these were hardcore scientists out there, and, and they were scared. Well, yeah, and they were in the middle of nowhere. Uh, this wasn't like someone could have been tracking oh, them or yeah. whatever. I mean, they like scaled down this cliffside. I mean, it was sheer, and I think it was, was yeah. it raining out or something. I mean, it was like really. Just horrible conditions in the yeah. middle of like a jungle. I mean, it's not something you want to where you want to yeah. be. Uh, and right. something was lobbing huge rocks at them. Yeah, where are you going to run? That's the like I said when when I was uh, I think I said in a previous show when I used to hunt and I you know I went up to Canada to hunt bear. You know, it's real. Uh, it's real terrifying to think. You know, if I see a bear, which I did. Uh, Am I going to shoot it? Am I going to get the shot? And if I don't get the shot, am I going to risk? Uh, it, there is no bad shot with a bear. You don't take a bad shot. You don't even think about it. You don't even put the gun up if you have no shot. Uh, because if you miss, 
and I always had uh, visions of ricocheting one off its skull. Uh, and, you know, a pissed-off bear knows where you are, number one. And number two, there is nowhere you can run that they can't go. So looking at it from these guys' standpoint, you're talking about something bigger than a bear uh, uh, that, that, that has uh, arms that it uses, like, like they say, like a man. Um, and it's obviously usually powerful. And they're out there, and I think their only way away from the place was by, by, by a seaplane. <laughs> where are you going to run? I mean, you got nowhere to go. So I can understand the fear of that. Um, but by the same token, I think it was in that same program where they were talking to uh, uh, native, natives of the area uh, and, and Native American types of the area that uh, said, you know, this thing is extraordinarily elusive, um, that uh, uh, they mentioned that this thing uses its quote-unquote magic uh, to disappear. You could be standing right next to this thing and not see it. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's that, that whole brutal honesty of Native American peoples talking about this thing in a very mystical way. Wait, are you talking about the Australia thing or something else? No, no, this was, oh, okay. this was a, a Bigfoot thing. I was going to say on that another... would be Native Americans. But... No, right. Um, this was uh, this was a uh, you know another search for Bigfoot type of program that was on, and uh, you're talking to Native American elders somewhere uh, out west. I don't even remember where it was, but this uh, uh, this younger man who was interpreting interpreting sorry for uh, a tribal elder was saying, you know, these things could stand right next to you; you would not see it. Um, it uses a, a form of what he called magic to render itself invisible. Um, well, this is and- interesting because, you know, this is, you know, Reagan's first story was um, a guy saying, uh, you know, he had telepathic communication with it and it was, it said it was star people. She didn't huh. say aliens, she said star people, which is what, you know, the Hopi and the Lakota and the yeah. Sioux uh, and whoever else, I don't know, but definitely those three. Um, that's how they talk about this phenomenon, you know, star right. people. Right. So it's interesting to hear that this, you know, uh, Christian white dude <laughs> is using that terminology or, or claiming that the Sasquatch was, you know. I mean, that's, uh, I, I think that part of it's pretty fascinating, but I can't, uh, I mean, we can't speculate because we really don't know um, if there's more than one thing going on. Is it part of that whole um, uh, other syndrome, uh, or are we looking at something that is just elusive, just for the simple sake of being elusive uh, as a wild animal, uh, or as something that doesn't want to be found? I mean, <clears throat> I always used to hear the excuse that um, uh, for for its non-existence or its non-materialization of a body in Bigfoot cases, that uh, well, nobody's ever found a dead one. Um, and the, it, like, like with anything else that, that has no predator in its area, uh, it chooses where it dies. So likely we'll never find a, a, a dead one, uh, because, uh, you're talking about <clears throat> everything in the forest lives off of each other. So when a deer dies of natural causes, it gets eaten. Raccoons, foxes, um, will tear that thing down in, in a couple of days. And, uh, uh, and give the the elements their turn, and there's not much left. 
So when you're talking about something like Bigfoot that has literally no natural predators at all, um, not only um, are you talking about the forest consuming it, but you're talking about something that can go very deep into uh, forest where probably we, and again, people don't realize this about uh, America, North America, our country, that there are places in the woods in North America where no one has been. I mean, that's, that's a, when you hear people talking about deforestation and whatnot, there are places that we have not been. There are or places that only native people have been. Um, and these things can travel so deep into that that, you know, they if they are, are a natural animal and they're out there dying, they can go where they want to die, and they'll go where you won't find them. So, um, you know, all of that is, uh, is interesting as, as an animal, uh, or even a cross between us and an animal. But then you throw this paranormal bend in it, and again, you have to wonder if it's the same thing we're talking about, or whether or not the collective attention pays to it is manifesting something else. Well, I know that you formerly didn't um, give real consideration to the paranormal possibility of this. Has this conversation changed that at all? Uh, uh, Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always thought about what they said, uh, particularly from that one interview that they did with the, the Native Americans talking about the magic and the, the invisibility. I always thought, well, there's something weird about that because I've always seen these people as having a pretty good handle uh, on these this this phenomena in and of itself, they always seem to have a uh, a different relationship or different perception than we do of it. Of course, um, so I, I I I thought a little bit about that, but I uh, I don't think that um, I, I think there are cases where there are there is weird stuff associated with it, uh, just like moth skinwalker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, are they flesh and blood? Are they not? Can they be when they want to be and other times not? Uh, yeah, I think that there's definitely a possibility of that. I guess I'm just so conditioned and used to seeing guys out in their camo gear putting up, you know, motion cameras that right. that I've got it in my head that it's it's an animal it's a, or a cross between us and an animal. And I guess that's kind of a hard... A manimal. A manimal. <laughs> So, you know, I, I guess, um, I mean, sure, there's, there's definitely room for something else to be involved with that in, in, in as much as we don't have a body. But there are legitimate reasons why we don't, I think. Um, but, again, it's not, my, it's not my, you know, specific area of looking at all this weirdness. It's, uh, well, yeah, so we should definitely talk to more people and other cryptozoological facets and see if they concur, you know, and see if yeah. the paranormal type stories they tell are the same. Right. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I was just reading, um, I was trying to reread Ken Wilber to, to figure out what exactly it is he says about UFOs and abductions because he thinks that they're all baby boomer narcissism. And essentially what he says is that, uh, like, someone had stood up at a conference to him and said, well, you know, how can you say that their abductions are crap when, you know, 10,000 people, you know, in America have, you know, said this, uh, can you just discount 10,000 people? And he said, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, of course you can. Uh, he said 1,500 people last year alone uh, reported Elvis sightings. Right. So, yeah, it's not a stretch to discount 10,000 people. So, I don't know. I, so, I guess the point of that is, you know, even even if we do talk to these various people and discover that there is um, uh, similarities in these paranormal stories of these creatures and stuff, does that still, I mean, can we still, do we have to then take that seriously? Or am I always going to have Ken Wilbur in the back of my mind reminding me that, well, 1,500 people have Elvis sightings, you know? Well... I mean, you have to you have to try to understand. I mean, is he a, a debunker of some sort? I'm guessing. No, I'm he's not, not at all. He's not even involved in UFO stuff at all. He's a spiritual guy. Okay. I don't even know what to call him really. Um, spiritual philosopher. Let's say that. Okay. Um, well, I mean, again, you you got to know. Well, where is he coming from? You know, how much has he studied about? Uh, all of these different things. I mean, has he just taken a cursory glance, or has he really looked into it in well, any yeah, depth? Well, that's probably it. I mean, he, you know, his essential, essentially what he's saying, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, I think you would, you know, we might even be on the same page in a sense, which is that he's saying it's not aliens, you know, it, it, that, that it's not that these people aren't having real experiences, it's that it's an inner experience that the Western mind has uh, has basically wrongly created as an outer experience, and that it's actually you know, some form of like spirit talking to us or something. That's well, I mean, I mean, I have to go back to then why did my mom, my, my, my wife, why have they seen it yeah. uh, with me? Um, that's where it doesn't, I mean, that's where the argument for me ends. Okay. You know? So, so that part of it, but then the still 1500 Elvis sightings in a year. I mean, if that's true, <laughs> They're Elvis sightings. <laughs> do I have to say any more? I mean, do we really have to give this any more discussion? Well, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, paranormal Bigfoot and paranormal Loch Ness Monster and, you know, Tony the Tiger and whatever. I mean, you know. It's Elvis, Jeremy. <laughs> Elvis. Hunka hunka burning love. Well, you know, what we should do is talk to Elvis sighting people and, and see if those Elvis sightings have the same paranormal quality as these Bigfoot I, I think I think that's more along the lines of wishful thinking that Elvis is still alive. Just you know, yeah, you don't versus think, you don't you think know. having a conversation with Bigfoot about spirituality and love is also wishful thinking? <laughs> and, that, and that Bigfoot says, "I want well, you to call me Sasquatch." I, I think we're <laughs> I think we're looking at what Reagan brought up was 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 which was these cases that uh, that have that element in them. Uh, I mean, whether they're true or not, who knows? I mean, but different people have said it over the years. Doesn't make it true. Um, uh, but at the same time, can we ignore the similarities and weirdness? There's that underlying current of a similarity that can't be really ascribed to um, uh, the internal when you're talking about multiple witnesses to the same phenomena. It's definitely something external uh, or internally um generated that's projected if you're into that kind of theory um but uh, you know i mean there's people talking about jim morrison has got to still be alive because his casket was uh, a foot shorter than he was and that doesn't make sense they stuffed him in you know well okay uh, but here here's where i think it's going to go awry is if they they find a bigfoot for whatever reason and and it turns out to be just an animal uh -huh. Well, then guys like you and me are going to say, 
uh, of this paranormal stuff that we just invested our minds in. Mm. Um, well, okay, but this trickster force, see, it can pretend to be anything it wants. And so, even though Bigfoot really did turn out to be an animal, whatever this force is was still pretending to be Bigfoot. So it's like we're going to always have our cake and eat it too, and I think... You is know, it having your cake and eating it too, or is it simply the ambiguity of the whole thing? I don't know. I'm just thinking like an outsider here, you know, it's like if... if you I mean, again, this, we're trying to put a lasso on something that has no neck, so... It's it's um, you are good, full of good colloquialism. Thank you very much. <laughs> Please send complimentary emails to uh, no. Uh, I mean that's that's the truth. You're you're trying to get your hands around something that's not there. Um, so yeah, I mean if it uh, if it can affect your perception um, to that varying degree, that's the that's the part that gives you the ambiguity. Uh, to that where someone looking at that says, well, you just hallucinated that or or whatever. It's that whole, there's always going to be an excuse because you're never going to catch me. I'll present myself to me to you, but don't try and catch me because you can't. Um, and yeah, it, it has masqueraded as other things. We know this. Um, uh, I mean, there's a large body of reports that suggest that. Uh, it is self-contradictory. We know that. Um, I mean, I think that's a lot of the reason why we don't uh, subscribe to the ETH. Um, so, so what is it? Okay, if it's not any of these things, why can't we get any proof? Well, what was our excuse for that? Because proof may not exist or be able to exist in this reality if they're from somewhere else like that. Um, if they're flesh and blood ETs, we should have proof. Why don't we, ETH people? You know, there's always going to be this snaking around um, just because of the nature of the ambiguous nature of the phenomena itself. It's not going to be pinned down. It's not going to be caught. Um, all we can try to do is try to change our, again, ask better questions. Get let's Can we hone it down to, uh, I mean, as much as we've honed it down, that may be as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so, but... You know, I think that uh, uh, the, 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 the Bigfoot weirdness and the flying saucer weirdness and the alien abduction business and, uh, you know, let's not even include the crash retrieval stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, all of that um, as a whole is, is wrapped up in that whole ambiguous Loch Ness 2, let's add that in is all wrapped up in that ambiguous, well, it could be a plesiosaur or it could be a, the missing link between man and ape or it, it could be extraterrestrials, but then we're seeing this bigger picture that we have to start honing down and kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm looking for a colloquialism here and I can't find it. Like, we need to deforest the mind. <laughs> How's that? Um, we need to start removing potential... Um, answers start taking some away leaving them on the side but let's start kind of narrowing the focus down to what is it presenting how is it presenting and 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 learning more about our own perception of it mm-hmm. learning more about reality the the answer to all this is not going to be found within its specific bigfoot ufo sea monster stuff we're not going to find the answers in ufology that's a given 
we're going to have to go outside of ufology to to other things that may not be as interesting to us, but are going to give us something to think about. You know, look at the DMT stuff. I know I'm hot on that right now because it's new and I'm I'm seeing all of these connective threads, but there's a lot of connective threads to other things too. But it's going outside of this thing to something that most people look at and go, well, yeah, you were on drugs, you know. Again, there's that ambiguity. There's its way out. You were on drugs. You were hallucinating. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. It's, there's always going to be an excuse because that's the nature of the phenomenon. That's how it's working. Um, it won't be pinned down. Um, so, I mean, I think that uh, it's exciting to see someone like Reagan talk about the little furry uh, balls that gathered around her bed and chattered chattered at her but she wouldn't turn her back on them because there was kind of a funny feeling about them and yet you talk to the McKenna's and they'll tell you the little guys chatting madly at them in sort of a weird language and and uh, uh, but I wouldn't turn my back on them what you know that can't be ignored you can't walk away from that despite where it's coming from and that most people would say well you're on drugs we don't even know what that means, you know. We don't know enough about reality yet to say that that's not a potential of another reality that our perceptions are open to, you know. Um, so how can you, how can you, uh, yeah, if we get a Bigfoot body, okay, it's a body, you know. And, yeah, I think our words would be, well, do we blow these paranormal connections off and say, oh, well, we were wrong, those people lied, or they were hoaxing, or whatever. Or do we say, maybe this was the masquerade, this was all part of the dance. Now we have the body, so now we know there's something. That mystery solved at that point. Yeah, unless uh, the body is alive and it's just going, ah, like an animal. Got a fursuit. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> all right. Putting an end to this madness. Good night. Jeff, don't hang up on me, man. Are we really doing this podcast from now on? I mean, well, yeah, it's the only way we're going to get any freaking treatment around here. I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, you want to keep trying to escape time after time and getting into the mess we just got out of? No. Give me a break, man. We're going to have to do this show for a while. We'll find a way out while we're being pampered for their show. All right, Jeff. This is the golden plan, Jer. Just well, play along. We'll play along. Well, Girls Gone Wild Paratopia for us it is, I guess, from here on out. That's right. Hey, you want to go to the uh, stage reading of Communion with uh, Zachariah Sitchin, Angelia Joyner, and uh, Rob Simone tomorrow? <laughs> well, unless there's something better going on, I guess that's the ticket, huh? Well, there is, actually. You know, think of it. I know Jeff Peckman's uh, giving a Metatron demonstration. We could. Uh... Oh, that guy's a freaking idiot. Well, yeah, he's a complete complete fraud and um let's uh let's do the reading all right let's yeah you know and you know what let's um let's call the better business bureau on jeff peckman in the metatron <laughs> the metatron eh that small credit card size little hope of happiness yes uh, i used to have one of those once her name was mary lee yeah <sighs> god bless the chinese and their tiny tiny hands <laughs> they look really good around, well, 
<laughs> well, I'm gonna go. I gotta, I gotta get up for nothing tomorrow. Sorry to have woken you. No, no, no. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. So, uh, so yeah, stage reading of communion tomorrow. That sounds good. Me too. Sounds good. I can hardly wait to hear Rob Simone say, "Is that someone there?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeffrey, you surely have cheered me up. Yeah. Sweet dreams. Good night. But will it be sweet dreams for Jeffrey and Jeremy? Or will the blah, blah, blah with the blah, 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 blah next week?